This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. Yeah. My name's Chris Lambert. My name's Travis Bean, and Chris, I don't know if I can do this. Travis. You can't do this on me now. I, I just, I'm sorry, but we, I feel like we're going to embarrass ourselves. We're a lyrical analysis of Kanye West, <laughs> and there are like eight lines in this song. I, I, what are we? This is good. This is a joke that we're going to try to stretch this out in the two hours. How could we possibly do this? I know, and this is such. I mean, I get it. There's not a lot of lyrics. There's a ton of production value, and we're just not production no. guys you know i think maybe we should just end the show because this is <laughs> a joke but throw in the towel throw in the towel you know <sighs> i gotta say i think we have a lifeline here i think we can pull a who wants to be a millionaire <gasps> and phone a friend phone a friend, okay. phone a friend <laughs> and have somebody swoop in like a superhero <laughs> and save the day can we ask the audience first yeah audience who do you want to call all right. Call call Kushner. Wow, that's terrible. <laughs> well then, let's call Cole. Ring, okay. ring, ring. Cole, are you there? Hello. Who's this? Cole, it's Chris Lambert from Watching the Throne, you know. And Travis Travis Bean over here. Oh yeah. lyrical a lyrical analysis of Kanye West? That's lyrical. right. Lyrical. Just lyrical. <laughs> and Yeezy, Yeezy season co-writers? Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Hey, we need some help with this Say You Will episode for 808s and Heartbreak. Uh, you know, we're lyrical. We don't know anything about production. You know all the things about production. We're lyrical. <laughs> can, can I got you. you. Uh, can you say I even got my piano. Oh, okay. You know what, Chris? We can keep doing the show. Whew, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Cole would come through. So we're joined in this episode by the one, the only uh, creator of Dissect and host of Dissect, Cole Kushna. Yo. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Yo. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Say You Will, 808s and Heartbreak. Uh, what's a uh, real quick, what's your relationship with 808s and Heartbreak? It was, let's see. It was a big album for me, actually. So I loved Kanye since College Dropout. Um, I loved graduation a lot. I liked late registration. Um, graduation was really kind of solidified him for me though. Just like I knew I could tell he just could at that point do whatever he wanted. Whereas like, um, the first two albums, it's like pretty much in the same world, you know, sonically, um, you know, some elevation 
with John Bryan on <clears throat> on the second album, but graduation was so solidified and so like I want to do this and I'm going to execute it perfectly and it's going to be have massive hits on it. It's also going to be super creative and all the videos are going to be cool. I'm going to wear these really cool sunglasses that, and then everyone's going to wear them. It was just <laughs> I like, have okay, those sunglasses by the this way. guy has. I know me too. Um, <laughs> so it was just like clear that okay, this guy's got it. Like this is he's it. And then 808s. I mean, Jesus has been on my mind a lot since obviously we just dropped Jesus the season. Um, but it's kind of like Jesus before Jesus, right? It's like yeah. the experimental album. It was a huge deal. I'm sure you guys talked about this on the, the preview episode, but um, it was a huge, huge deal that um, he sung, like just oh, yeah. singing, like a rapper yeah. going full singing was like not a thing back then. Now it's like this hybrid of you can do whatever you want. You can sing, you can rap, whatever. <laughs> like it's it's a totally free and a part of it. Big reason why is this album. So I just remember, I mean, I might be a good segue into this song, but like I just remember vividly this first, this intro song. Uh, it was right around the time me and my now wife were getting together. Um, and so I remember just, us just kind of driving to this song a lot to say you will. And just the statement of, this song it's like it's the synth in on site but like the inverse right it's right. like a statement mm-hmm. about the album it's going to draw you into the world it builds the world we're going to talk about the long outro and everything like that but not to get too far ahead of ourselves here but yeah i mean i just remember being blown away i love the sound of the album i know that was even controversial at the time but yeah i love yeah. this sound it was so unique at that time um and now it's hard to even say that without realizing okay well it didn't it didn't like set the stage for drake and it set the stage for the sound that we have now you can kind of trace it back to this album so i loved it from the start um i thought it was to me really put him on the map as a real creative not that he wasn't before but it was just like coming off graduation to transform your sound and execute it perfectly and just innovate and it was just I just, I, I, even like it goes before, like when I first heard Love Lockdown, it was just like, what? Where is this guy <laughs> right. now? Like dun, 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 having all dun, that, like that choir of drum drummers, the, the taiko drums and just being like, this is, I mean, this is where Kanye is now. It's just like, it, that was like, you know, we, we always say new, new and old Kanye. And I know the divide is kind of Jesus, but this really sets the stage for what I think is new Kanye artistically. Right. Yeah, very much so. We were talking the, the preview episode about just how people were saying his career was over and kind of treating it as a joke like oh he went for this big home run and swung a mist and it's like <laughs> how short-sighted <laughs> all those criticisms were at the time yeah. given just how popular this album ended up being and the impact that it has had uh over the course of 13 years and it feels um, like it's still making yeah. waves that's crazy 13 years wow yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like what you're saying too, how it's like a preview of Jesus sonically, because uh, one thing we always notice with Kanye is how his early albums preview a lot of these things he'll master later on. Mm. And to me, Jesus is kind of a, this fusion of the the narrative on graduation, because while we're going through the narrative of graduation all last season, all like, like I kept drawing these parallels to Jesus, like the three X structure, like they kind of mimic each other. Um, and you're seeing like a lot of these experiments he's doing on 808s like like you're saying like the the oh like on site like that synth like you could see all these things being recreated and it's it's just amazing to see that kanye like because he's so fearless with his experimentation and like was trying out all these new sounds like 
that's how he keeps creating something that sounds completely brand new every time he makes an album because like he keeps pushing these elements of his music in in all these directions and never like backs down just like he goes full force on everything like if he's yeah. gonna make a, a a he's not just gonna make a song with autotune he's gonna make a whole fucking album of yeah. it and make you he's not dipping to his it. toes he's, he's not gonna in. rap yeah. until heartless like you won't it's it's great he doesn't rap on the opening sound of his like that must have blown people's minds i mean heartless is really is it heartless and maybe paranoid but even paranoid is very melodic heartless yeah. is really like the only song uh, um, off the top of my head that has like legitimate rapping right right yeah which is i mean again Listen. unheard of back then to yeah. do, that was such a <laughs> statement and i remember it being such a big deal and then i remember like the conversation being like will he ever rap again and then when he did it was like a big thing it was like okay he's rapping again like okay yeah which is funny because it's like the next year blueprint three comes out right and he's just rapping all over blueprint three run this town hate yeah is that it He's um, those two, yeah yeah but yeah man this album and even getting at kind of the we're seeing the early attempts or early experimentation that he then blows up on later albums we're talking with graduation which maybe you'll find this as mind-blowing as we did or maybe not but uh during big brother it's this song where he's being confessional and he starts trying to like include a crowd by saying stadium status at the beginning telling people to put their hands in the air and we're like is this the early experimentation that leads to uh, a pinocchio story where instead of just saying stadium status and talking to a crowd while in the studio, he's actually just in the stadium <laughs> yeah. talking to the crowd and just like, man, yeah, where he goes from. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting parallel. Yeah. All right. Well, so no samples on the song. 808s is not a very sample heavy album there's just a, a few songs that have something so those will come up over the course of the season but it's kind of nice for us not having to dive into <laughs> it's less work yeah all these samples but we do have a, a reference later on in the song which um is cool like i didn't i didn't realize the reference until we we're going through it this time which i kind of feel stupid about now but i didn't i didn't realize until you guys told me yeah like oh that phrasing makes so much more sense now it's hard to believe that there would be a reference in a song with like this few lyrics and it's so like uh, it's so singular to like a scene you know like this is actually pretty atypical for Kanye to just like put himself in a room and you're just in there with him in the room it's almost like a short film or something and that's it he's not there's nothing extraneous he's not elaborating on anything like he, you're just kind of with him in the moment yeah well, it's very improvisatory I mean the, the legend is that it was recorded in 15 minutes. Um, I think that was wow. recording Kanye himself, which could be exaggeration, but yeah. to me, you can, I mean, from, we'll get into the first line, but it's like, it has an improvisatory line sung. That's very like, I mean, you, we'll get into that, but it's like, to me, like, and especially musically, I can tell the, the melodies are all kind of interrelated and I can see it being this kind of stream of consciousness where, I think I forgot who said, but someone was in the room when he recorded it. Yeah. And she said, like, there this he improvised, say you will, the melody and the lyrics on the spot. And then she told him, like, whatever you do, don't change that. I know you're gonna record <laughs> lyrics here, like you're gonna have to, you know, insert lyrics. It sounds so it sounded like it, it, it which is very Kanye, which is 
improv, you know, improving in the studio and then shaping it, shaping it, shaping it. But getting those initial ideas down, just melodies and movement and energy, it, I can feel that on this song. You know, I can feel totally. the quick, the quick conception of it for sure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Estero. Okay, yeah. That's what it was. I've never heard of before, by the way. <laughs> no, me, me. Like, how are you in the <laughs> studio with Kanye? <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, she was saying during the "Hey, hey, hey," the melody that he selected for the "Hey, hey, hey"s huh. was so enchanting. She was like, "Don't you dare! Don't yeah, you dare I'm, change!" I'm going to get into that because I was before I even read that. That's the exact melody that drew yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. The, everything you're saying, Cole, it, 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 about it being improvisatory and like in the moment, like that to me is. 808s like it, yeah like it's a like like we said like the first three albums like they're kind of clear-cut storylines there are these three act structures you can follow and be like okay i see where the narrative is and it's it's kind of simplified in that way in a way 808s isn't like to as far as chris and i could tell there isn't really a three act structure this album there isn't anything to grab onto it's just this collage of emotions and you kind of are always in the moment with kanye he's always like reckoning with himself and and confronting himself and and instead of moving forwards or thinking backwards, he's kind of just steeping in what is. And yeah. uh, it's kind of torturous in a good way to listen to because you're just seeing <laughs> well, a guy who's in pain, like dealing with it. I know that's exactly what I was going to say. When you're in pain, when you lose your fiance and your mother in the span of you know however many months it was, you're not conceptualizing shit. You know? You're just yeah, right. wallowing and living in that just unescapable pain. And I can just see this being totally catharsis. It makes sense that it was recorded in what two or three weeks. Three um, weeks. It was just mm. like this, you know, barf of emotion. You know, just <laughs> getting out. Um, and you can hear, like, again, like even on "Say You Will," it's improvisatory, but you hear those moments all over the album where it does kind of feel. I mean, it feels polished because the production's amazing, but it. I feel like all that came after the fact, but the raw emotion is there, you know, and I think that's what really draws. That's that's the star of the album is just him allowing himself to do that, and in a way that you know is was different than. I mean, I guess you can make sad raps, but I mean, not a lot of people want to. You know, he's not Kendrick Lamar, and not a lot of people want can want to hear sad raps or even can pull them off. So it made right. sense that he went, he turned to singing, found auto tune that allowed him to sing, and just and just dove in. It's yeah. uh, kind of interesting too because i wonder if this is kind of the beginning of kanye being a little more fast and loose and trusting in the instincts of the creative process and even though this is production wise more polished than say some of the moments on jesus is king when it released or even uh yay if it if those projects are kind of spiritually connected in terms of just i'm going to get this out in this brief span of just a few weeks i'm putting this together and releasing it and it's a flood of emotion and i've had this success before and i know i can pull it off just fans end up a little more hyper aware of the process at this point so then they hear yay and they're like oh this was just recorded in three weeks like it's right. rushed and it's like so is 808s yeah <laughs> so is 808s um well then anything you want to say about production before we dive into the first uh verse yeah, let me. Uh, I have a few spots that I'll chime in with production, but the first one is, I mean, the genius of the immediate beat, right? It's like, um, and maybe we can play a clip of it. Uh, 
Why would she make calls out the Obviously, there's like this swelling sound, which to me is total world building, kind of like literally sucking you in. And then it just crystallizes with what I mean, if he pays off the album name in the very first second of the album, 808s and yeah. Heartbreak, you get a literal 808 drum. So anyone doesn't know, like 808s is referring to a Roland 808, which is a very famous uh, beat machine and sampler. Or is it? Yeah, it's a sampler and a beat machine. Um, but it's like, you hear it all the time in hip hop. So it's like, and then 808s, I guess, apparently is the area code for Hawaii, which he didn't know, but then kind of like was stoked on when he found it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you get Heartbreak, which is you get like the literal, what sounds like a heartbeat monitor, mm-hmm. uh, a hospital heartbeat monitor. Uh, so just like that alone is just like cool. And it's not cheesy, right? Like you can, try to do that pay off the album title in a in a way that's like kind of just corny um but it just sounds fucking cool right it's just so just great then it has the taiko drums which he was super into at this time i guess uh which are like japanese drums which i don't think they're like the actual acoustic i think they're samples of or like synthesized versions of and apparently he had people bring in all these unique drum machines into the studio and then resampled them into his um, 808 machine and then played through the 808s those samples. So you're getting like, when that happens, and so one of the producers, the engineer says that's like why some of the sounds sound so unique on this album. And I think it really shines here in the first mm-hmm. opening moments of Say You Will with especially like those heartbeat monitors because those are just, you hear those kind of sounds all the time in old, drum machines and so i think they kind of just were playing around with those but the way that they're sampled that you get all these like weird artifacts on them so one of the things i wanted to point out let me grab my piano here i might need to edit <laughs> this so the the song is in the, the key of c minor and it moves to f so that's all pretty standard stuff but if you listen to the heartbeat monitor it's playing an a and it, then it plays a lower note, a B flat. So, and it sounds weird on its own, but I isolated these instruments. I like looped them on, in the song and matched the keys. These are the actual notes that it plays. So in and of itself, you're getting this sound, <laughs> which is a uh, major seventh, which is a cousin to the minor second, just like the Jaws sound. Mm. <laughs> But the thing about the A, specifically that high A, is that it doesn't belong in the key signature. So you're getting the C, you're getting the C chord, and then you're getting this note on top of it. So you're getting this like really kind of wild dissonance, and then you're getting the B flat. So you're getting this, essentially this total sound of all these dissonant notes. They're, they're voiced in a way that they don't, you know, you're not hearing them all voiced together like this but they're voiced out, you know, spread across the spectrum. Yeah. But there's this, that's what makes this song a lot of reason why it makes it, there's like this eerie kind of timbre yeah. to it. 
that's why that especially that high a it's like that note should not be in this song it's like <laughs> it's the note that would clash the most in this song and you hear it over and over and over again yeah right. so i'll talk about some more harmonic stuff when we get to the chorus but that's just one thing i want to lay out in the beginning is this like there's this strange dissonant note that is persistent throughout the entire song and adds to this just mounting tension that will build towards the very, very end, which I'm going to talk about too. Um, but just keep that in mind that there's these yeah. kind of off kind of dissonant notes throughout hanging over the entire song. It's uh, a good example of when they say like, this is the rule, right? You should always use harmonized notes or something like that until you shouldn't because right. it's for effect and does something right it's just one of those like rules that you understand and then break because it has an effect and impact that you want the song or work to have another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Um, and on top of everything you're saying, Cole, there's a third element there in the beginning, which is like that low murmuring choir, mm. um, which is a continuation of that like world setting sound you talked about. Like there's like this monstrous sound like it sounds like a, a beast bellowing at the beginning and then like we just launch into like what this is like these these three seemingly contrasting elements like the drums the the electronic beeps and the choir and like you said the 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 808s like it, it's like it feels like a heartbeat monitor um which it, and to me like the drums kind of mimic like a heartbeat itself yeah so, exactly like, so like the heartbeat conveys something somebody who's like subdued and just like maybe not calm but just like in the moment but then a heartbeat monitor is like ominous like it, it signals somebody like on life support exactly which to me blends perfectly with this choir that it, i mean it's kind of a haunting sound it, it creates this very distressing atmosphere which which would have otherwise been calm but suddenly you like you have all these elements mixing together and it and it feels ominous and it almost like it almost feels like impending death <laughs> like no, it does, yeah. like maybe not a physical death but like maybe more of a, a metaphorical one like somebody who's very unstable emotionally and mentally and that's like that's one fuck of a way to intro your character on an album musically right and then <laughs> i actually looked up uh so this this song is in uh 84 beats per minute is the tempo Mm-hmm. The average resting heart rate is six, <laughs> 60 beats to 100 beats uh, oh, so right per minute. So it's literally right in the middle of like the average resting heartbeat. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's the kind of reach we like in this show, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, right. like, I, I don't know if I was just like trying to feel it, but I was listening to the song and feeling my own heartbeat. I swear it was like perfectly in sync. <laughs> <laughs> just that in sync with Kanye. <laughs> having done the Yeezus season, you know? I, that would be but, an interesting thing to look up, actually, if if music, if your heart rate inside, like matches music as you listen to it, I would right. imagine that, like, slower music might slow your heart rate down or mm. maybe, I don't know, I don't know. I've done no research on that, but that would be interesting. I think you're right. Into. 
<laughs> no, I feel like that's that's something that's one of those things. It's like classical music can calm mm-hmm. or like slower music can calm where like listening to heavy metal starts to get people a little more like whether it's from distress, like what is this to just like overall, like, yeah, I feel this energy. Like there's clearly that uh, energy connection. It was there was just that study that came out the other day that was talking about how listening to Kanye music. That wasn't the specifics of the study, but they were playing music when people were running and certain songs were making people run faster, which I was thinking of you, Travis, because you talked about getting yeah. into Kanye by listening to <laughs> Kanye on runs. I didn't and listen to 808s like, on those runs. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying Power was one of the songs that was like causing people to run faster. <laughs> and causing yeah, people to get claps. in fights in the middle of their run. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw down like, what? I see you across the street. What? Think you're faster than me? Huh? All right, so... <laughs> Getting into verse one, uh, one of the longest verses of Kanye's career, you know, we have why would she make calls out the blue? So it's already like talking about the atmosphere uh, y'all just were in terms of the distress and kind of the not feeling the best. Starting with this question of why would she make calls out the blue already has you feeling some kind of way in terms of especially the title like 808s and heartbreak uh the lyrically you're reinforcing that sense of stress heartbreak and not in the place that you want to be <laughs> and a little rattled yeah i love and, that he says the word blue because it just colors everything you've heard yeah. with that kind of blue which i always yeah. kind of relate to like yeah this like weird subdue melancholy yeah, because blue and melancholy go hand in hand already. And sure Kanye uh, talks about having synesthesia and seeing music th- through color. So I can imagine that just blue was very big for him as well. Like, I need to use that word because it fits with what the song is. Um, um, I think this is cool, too, that it, it's such a interesting way to, like, start a story, like, to launch somebody into an album. There's no real table setting happening, like... Why would she make calls out the blue? Like, who is she? Like, where are you? Like, why? Like, what relationship do you have with her? Like, all these questions start. Like, and if you know Kanye, like, is it Alexis? Like, is it this fictional woman who's recalling Alexis? Is it like, this? like, does the woman represent fame? Because we know Kanye does that. Is it like Kanye thinking about his mom? Like, I don't know. There could be all these things. And it's just so interesting to open an album in such, in, in that kind of way. Yeah, it's one of those they talk about the first sentence of a novel should always like grab a reader's attention or make them start asking questions like that like you want to know more about the who why when what where just from the first line itself and this is definitely happening here yeah do that uh and then we get the second part which is getting into some of the improvisation that you were talking about cole and that we know when kanye has an unreleased song or kind of the draft of a song he can mutter some lines as he's going through the the beat so he'll be like now i'm going down the staircase and on to the next thing and we'll just do that if you ever listen to any of these uh unreleased partial songs and it seems like something like that is going on here which you get now i'm awake and it says sleep (laughs) it's a little more clear like you feel like he's saying words you just can't quite make them out and in the official booklets apparently it said 
sleepless in June or missing you. So even the official (laughs) lyrics didn't even have what was said. Incredible. And then at a concert, Kanye said, uh, sleepless in you, which is a completely different reading too. And I think he said sleepless in June during a performance at one point too. So we have like two official like Kanye readings and then three total official (laughs) presentations of the lyrics. I always liked Sleepless in June best. Uh, (laughs) That was always kind of how I heard it. Sleepless for a whole month. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, because you get the blue in June, obviously. But then June is like, it it puts you in at least a time, right? We're asking questions with the first, you know, the first line. We're getting some payoff right away with June. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just love, I mean, you see this so much in his later work where he just leaves these things in. Mm. And I love, I just love the rawness of it, especially on this album, especially the first line is like literally unclear. <laughs> like, yeah. that, I mean, it's so perfect in terms of character building, world building. Yeah, this guy is, doesn't have it figured out quite yet. Yeah, I I love it. I, I love it because would we talk about Kanye a lot in the show? I mean, Chris and I are movie guys, so like we draw a lot of parallels between Kanye and, and movies and film what filmmakers do. But to me, this is a very like literary moment where like there are two different lyrics listed in the liner notes, and you can have like two different ways of reading the line, which to me is a very poetic thing to do. Like typically in music you'll see people do like a double entendre, which allows you to give like various meanings to a single line. But this is like the opposite of that. This is almost like a homophone where like it's different phrases that sound the same, um, but are different, but aren't different. Like they're all like, <laughs> they all kind of mean the same thing, you know? Um, so yeah. when you have like a collision of words like that, I think it just inherently creates tension and distress. Like it's startling how each of the ways you can read this line, read this heavy sense of agony and self-loathing like there's no good way to read this line he is sleepless like he's missing her he, he can't get past it it's just beautifully poetic way to convey something different yet uh, several things that are different yet all form a cohesive whole it's it, and to me that kind of mixes with the production you have like all these dissonant elements of the production like merging and like becoming one it's, yeah I was, I was it actually all happens just, at once i was just going to point out like was great about singing, which you can do in rap a little bit, but not as much as singing, where you can you convey the motion and the melody as much as what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And this melody is it's all downward. And <laughs> typically in like music, ascending melodies are like anticipation or expressing like big happy emotions, exploding emotions. Descending usually always emotionally are of sorrow, sadness, melancholy. Mm-hmm. So you get as much there information with the melody as you do the words. And yeah. that's just not possible in rap. <laughs> quick question. Is there a specific term for when the the lyrics match the notes in a melody? Yeah, text painting. Text painting. Okay. Because yeah. you could hear as you're playing that, like, now I'm awake. It's like the notes themselves were matching the syllables of now I'm awake or now I'm awake matches the... The syllables matches the notes. Okay, text painting. I'll yeah, te- yeah. It's usually when like if someone says I'm so high and then they sing a high note on the word high, that's okay. text painting. Okay. So it sounds like kind of that. Yeah. 
kind of that. Kind of, yeah. It's like a uh, Runaway does something similar with like the beat. You can hear literal words during the outro of Runaway of like you could match what the lyrics are with the the beats yeah. or the notes that are playing. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we get this just picture immediately of Kanye awake at night, whether it's in June or not, but he can't fall asleep. He's roused from his dreaming in a sense, uh, which is kind of poetic following where we're at in the discography of him achieving his dreams on college dropout, late registration and graduation. And now he can't go to sleep. Uh, yeah. which almost feels like a great middle ground between this and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, which is kind of a, a, a waking nightmare. Um, what's also, and that leads us. <laughs> I just also want to say that what's interesting is an introduction to his character. Like it kind of paints him as a victim a little bit, like, cause she's calling him, like she's the one who's disrupted his space, which is interesting heading into the rest of the lyrics is like, he'll kind of waver between that like oh she like crash landed in my room to, but then he becomes like a willing participant it's just it's an interesting way to start his character we're doing the prep for our welcome to heartbreak episode and one of the things that came up was just he still feels like a victim for a lot of that song until the end when you start to see that no he has a choice in a lot of this yeah and leaving the wedding that, and everything yeah, you see that moving forward into the album as well, like where Kanye feels kind of at the mercy of this woman on the song. You think of something like Paranoid, and Kanye does not come off as a as a good guy in Paranoid. Uh, he's gaslighting, he's lying. So <laughs> as much as he feels like the victim through a lot of this song, uh, as the album progresses, that just isn't the case. Yeah. So we get the chorus, Hey, 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 which is the the beautiful singing that's, what was her name again? <laughs> uh, Estero was like, don't you dare change that. And this was the thing you were saying, Cole, drew you into the song the first time? Yeah, just when I was playing around the melodies and stuff. So, so the verse is just two chords. It goes from a C minor to an F minor, back to a C minor. So it keeps the C in the bass. You'll hear the do do do. That's called pedal tone when you have a just a, a a monotone one note bass line where the chords change on top. And usually, that kind of builds. Traditionally, I would say, kind of builds this again this kind of overhanging tension to the song, um, just because you have this kind of droning note throughout, even mm -hmm. though there's stuff moving on top of it. But then you get this really cool change um you hit two major chords which is like this moment of like bright sunlight or something and then that's what kind of transitions into the say you will chorus so it starts out with these two really beautiful kind of jazzy chords they're called seventh chords and it moves to this one so really kind of nice and like pleasant especially coming off of the 
You know, you get this really nice resolve. But then, my favorite chord. So this is called a D minor, or a D diminished seven. So it's like, in terms of like traditional harmony, not counting like atonal music, this is essentially like the go-to most dissonant chord you would use. It has two tritones. So that's called like Diablos in Musica was the nickname, the devil in music. I talk about it on Dissect a lot. But it's essentially like a really dissonant interval and you get two of those stacked on top of each other. It's almost like, I always think of like Phantom of the Opera, like. You took the words really right dramatic. out of Yeah, it's really yeah. dramatic, especially coming off of those really kind of prettiness of those just, major notes it just kills yeah. you and then he sings he sings those two notes over it which is minor second which is like the jaws interval we talked about <laughs> so you're getting tritone and minor second at the same time and then yeah. it resolves down to uh, another seventh chord this is a, a, called a dominant seven so this is also like a chord of tension. There's a there's a tritone in this one too, but this is like essentially the chord that you hear before it goes back to the home chord of, of a song. So it grabs, it's it's pulling you to resolve back to this chord, right? So it's really nice. It goes from that. But the thing is, and this is where I'm getting back to say you will, what he sings over this part is like what kills me. He goes... Right, so he sings a minor second and he sings a note that's not in that dominant chord. Which is again, forming another tritone yeah. over that really nice dominant chord. So you're now getting again, two tritones. And the way that he hangs on it is just so, to me, so crushing. And you get the, so it makes that resolve just kind of oh, like, uh, I don't know, it's like, feels good but really like in a sad way or something <laughs> like a very tragic resolve to like whatever he's feeling yeah, which yeah. we can segue that into the into the lyrics because i think it matches what he's saying in the lyrics really 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 well right because there's still a little bit of that hope in the don't say you will unless you will right like you know are you gonna you're calling me are you gonna come over is this something like don't say that it's something unless it's going to be something like don't say that you'll get engaged to me unless you'll get engaged to me don't say you'll marry me unless you'll marry me talking specifically about alexis pfeiffer and uh the ending of their engagement you can feel that sense of broken promises yeah but maybe that there's still a hope because she's making calls out the blue that something could happen is sure. she missing him as much as he's missing her and, and I think, I mean, I, I'm such a music guy. So I think of like, okay, here's the hope. And you're getting those hopes into the transition. And that's followed right by, you say, you know, say you will. You know, like that's, and that hope comes right after those major chords. And then, of course, when he says, if unless you will, you get this chord. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like so perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Uh, it, uh, it reminds me of actually, of Welcome to Heartbreak, like we'll talk about in the next episode where... Like, oh, uh, we're going to talk about that at the end of this episode. Oh, <laughs> I, got, well, I got something for you guys. I'll do a, a slight preview. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I think what, everything you're saying, like to me, he does something very similar. Because you have like the the strings and uh, the drums that 
kind of like together fuse this like kind of low beat like haunting imagery but then you have like a piano there at the same time which is like inherently poppy um and it's contrasting you know the the dire drums and shit that you're hearing throughout but then kid cuddy comes in and he matches the piano's energy so like he adds this element that like suddenly fuses with the those contrasting elements that are happening i mean i i hear all that happening in the song i don't know how to put words to it or make sure, it make yeah, sense yeah. but here cole is doing it for us that's i love it <laughs> i just love that it translates to piano too like it's not even i mean it's production but it's harmony it's like melody and harmony are doing these things not just you know everyone thinks of kanye as production guy which obviously is but people don't know he wrote songs for like mariah carey and shit like he's right. a, he's a music guy not just a production guy and yeah. he nails this kind of stuff you know, on his first album where he's trying to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the very first moments of it. What a man. What a man. What a <laughs> man. What a mighty fine man. Uh, so we get the hey, hey, hey repeating and then don't say you will, then play you will. A little bit of a change up, right? Um, going from don't say you will unless you will to play you will, which is a little more damning, a little more uh, bitter. <laughs> In terms of things like you're playing with my heart, you're playing with my emotions, and then contrasting that with I pray you will. So you're talking about the contrasting notes, and we're even getting the contrasting emotions in that last line of don't say it, you know, don't say it, and then don't play with me, don't say it and then play with me, but I pray <laughs> that you will say it and that you will be honest and like mean it and there's just a huge mix of I don't love and hates probably a little too dramatic, but love and pain uh, going on just in that final part of the chorus that yeah. really gets at I think the heart of everything y'all are talking about with the production. Yeah, yeah, a lot of tension. It's uh, it, it, I guess it just reminds me because from graduation forward but he more heavily does it on 808s forward that the woman always represents kanye's relationship with himself with fame like this thing this this relationship he's he's trying to reconcile and a lot of these lines like she's somebody who's playing him but he also prays that she'll be there like it's like fame is the saying he wants but is also like sending his life in the turmoil like and really this is all just Kanye kind of reckoning with himself and confronting himself and and not able to decide like if he wants this woman in his life or not like he's unable to decide the direction of his life it's kind of a it ends up being a kind of a directionless song in that way and a directionless album again just steeping in what emotion he's feeling do you guys know I didn't oh I was gonna say do you guys know I mean obviously a lot of this album's about his breakup with his fiance. Do you guys know what happened there? Has that ever really come to light? Like who ended it with who, why, all those kind of things? I've never really researched that too much. Uh, from memory, it was the kind of thing where in the wake of his mom, so they had been together from like 2003, I think, up until 2005 and then broke up. It might've even been 2002 up until 2005, broke up and were apart for a little bit and then got back together and got engaged quickly after and they were engaged i think for over a year and then his mom passed away and when his mom passed he threw himself into the glow in the dark tour mm. so he was just working 
nonstop on the glow in the dark tour trying to get all the production value right trying to make it this larger than life kind of thing and i guess a lot of distance formed from what i remember where he just wasn't around yeah and then going on the tour just caused a lot of tension as well given that he hadn't been there leading up to it so then i'm pretty sure she was the one that ended the engagement got it yep um and then travis back to what you were saying you think about i know everybody thinks about this as a breakup album but talking about like the woman representing not just alexis pfeiffer but getting into fame and his relationship with fame you think about where the album ends and that contrast from beginning to end which is usually a signifier of what a narrative is about when you look at the beginning elements where the characters at to the ending elements and the focus is on relationships still but more largely on kanye's celebrity status and what fame has done to his life and the impossibility of being a real boy and everything that that entails in terms of living a normal life with a healthy relationship and a family and et cetera, et cetera. So the album as it progresses really does build up to the complications he's having in fame. So you're getting some of those elements here more metaphorically, but we end not with this heartbreaking song about the end of his engagement with Alexis Pfeiffer, but about the overall complications of being a celebrity. Right. Yeah. And, and his inability to connect with people because he's sitting there pouring out his soul to a crowd that's not listening to him. <laughs> Painful. Cheering, cheering on because it's the guy that they like on stage. Yeah. Miss is so fly. Crash lands in my room. Can't waste no time. She might leave soon. Hey, 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 hey. Well, so we get the, the second verse. We have Mrs. So Fly, which, uh, <laughs> We get the the juxtaposition or the nice continuation, I guess, of Mrs. Sofly crash lands in my room, right? So this woman that is fly in terms of her style, how she carries herself, ends up being a little destructive in how she appears uh, coming into his room like this crash, the fire, the flames, the, the carnage of that. Uh, you could also maybe look at it as maybe the inverse of hold my liquor where she's the one showing up a little drunk and mm -hmm. crashing into his nights when he's emotional and vulnerable. Uh, but Alexis Pfeiffer was a, or is, I don't know what she's been doing these past 13 years, a uh, fashion designer. So there's a little bit of a connection there as being fly is usually tied to clothing. And if she, was usually rocking these high-end clothes, she would have been Mrs. Sofly. So you could view that as a little bit of a, a nod to Alexis, but this is also paying off then, why would she make calls out the blue? And then she crash lands in my room. Yeah. So it seems like she is uh, coming over, fulfilling this, like whatever this call was. And that's what he was praying for, but also fearing in the chorus. Yeah. 
and follows that up with can't waste no time she might leave soon <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like they're gonna get down to uh, a booty call and uh, is what it feels like you know yeah yeah i mean i think he even said on stage that this is songs about you know calling calling your girl or a girl calling or ex calling you on friday night and coming over just for sex but then not coming uh not not literally but like physically yeah, not right, right. going to the place right. uh, <laughs> do you have uh, a do you have a what is it the drum thing on that uh, piano no, no. <laughs> but i love i actually like you know it's you know mrs so fly crash lands like i love that that's his experience of it because we don't know like what happened you know yeah. thinking that is thinking so literally about this it's like his experience, because I've had, you know, we probably all had those experiences where it just seems normal to everyone else, but because maybe the desire, the the yearning or whatever, the the hurt, the complication, it feels like just her just casually coming over could feel like detrimental, right? And yeah. I love that he frames it that way in the phrasing. Yeah. It. Yes, she is that, but he also like desperately wants her there, which is to me a really revealing moment of kind of it's kind of a, a vulnerable line that like she can't wait no time she might leave soon because like he hasn't exactly painted this woman as somebody like you would welcome into your bedroom like you kind of seem like maybe she's causing you some distress and it, it's not so great that she's there but you have to think about Kanye the fact that he lost his fiance he lost his mom in the year before this album in our graduation he talks about losing his hometown Chicago he talks about losing his big brother Jay so in 808s he is somebody without stability without this proper foundation to build his life on so even though this woman has called him out of the blue has disrupted the space while he, his space while he's alone he feels this need to like latch onto her he needs somebody in his life that can fill that void that now exists so even though she's not the right woman and she's going to like make him crazy she is a woman and she can provide him with a fleeting sense of stability in this moment that he hasn't been able to find. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just like I don't know if you guys had the, ex the experience, but where you break you break it off of someone, and then you're still in communication for a while, and it's just this weird gray area that just yeah. is so messy, and it's usually one sided because one person still wants, and the other one's just kind of like, at least in my experience, like it, it's just it describes that feeling so well in these opening couplets of just mm. knowing this is bad but not being able to resist and then yeah. actually literally wanting it saying i want this i'm going to attach myself before you leave again even though i know this is like going to end horribly and i'm going to even be in more pain and you know the next day uh just it just describes that feeling that i think probably most people have had yeah yeah I'd remember freshman year i started dating this girl she blew my mind i knew a she sad story one, from like, chris was coming i knew it <laughs> she was the one like all about me talking like oh in the summer and this is like november december she's like in the summer you have to come out to she's from oakland she's like you need to come out to oakland and i'm like oh my goodness she's thinking like long term this is great and we got back from winter break and two weeks later she like breaks up with me starts dating this other guy uh but she would still ask me to watch o the OC with her and I would dread it, but be so excited about it. And she would, would be watching it and she'd still like hold my arm and like put her head Oof. on my shoulder. And I'm just Ugh. like, she did you dirty. What is this? And I'm writing like <laughs> angsty poetry about like 
what did I like? You're my emperor, but also my viper. Like something like <laughs> contrasting that wasn't very clever, but that's really funny because I had an ex girlfriend. We broke up, and then we decided to watch the season finale or the series finale of Friends. So, however, whenever that was, but I just remember going over there. You know, something about Ross and Rachel, and I just started yeah. crying because it just reminded <laughs> me of like, you know, her yeah. and me, and just like. She, she didn't feel the same way, obviously. And I just remember yeah. I was like leaving like so crushed. Yeah. <laughs> I like, cried when is... Rachel got off the plane, so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just look at her and you're like, is friends our airplane? It's like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not, man. Yeah. So say you will. It summons up a lot of feelings. That <laughs> we I all really relate to this song. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's important though. I think it's because, I mean, that's what this kind of music is for me. Like, yeah, these kind of songs should take you to those to those places for sure when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, 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 hey. Don't say you will. Do do. Hey, 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 hey. Don't say you will. One day. So then we get the chorus repeating for the second time. Does the production repeat verbatim, or is there anything interesting? Because the lyrics just repeats the same as they did the yeah, first time. Yeah, I'm pretty song. sure it's the generally the same thing throughout the song, even on the outro, uh, the extended outro. It's pretty much once those parts are established, they don't really change much. Okay. So the lyrics do change a little bit, though. What? Oh, it goes from, say you will, you do. Yeah. Uh, That's right. One day you will. He he. Which is like a classic Kanye thing to do, like twist the lyrics like a little bit. So you're like, oh, am I supposed to read into it? Like it just gives life and shape to the the chorus and allows it to like kind of evolve as the song moves forward. Yeah. What was I looking at when I said that? <laughs> yeah, we get the don't say you will becoming you do. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of critical in some ways. Like you can read it as both like you do do all the negative things that I'm thinking that you will, or you did do this thing where you came over, but there's still this kind of uh, ruling about her behavior, judgment about like, you do do this and you get the, Hey, Hey, Hey. And then don't say you will one day you will, I pray you will. So the then, one well, day you will versus I was gonna say like, just about the, the, you do oh yeah, you're all this. You will, you do, I do wedding vows. Like, Oh, yeah. I, can't, oh, yeah. I can't help thinking about that, you know, in the context of what we know happened. Yeah, yeah that's you a good do point. with wedding vows is ah, ah. Uh, your school and production, the lyrical masters over here. I yeah, like production it. and lyrics. <laughs> I mean, dissect is production and lyrics. Um, we're, just, we're just the one thing. <laughs> yeah, we're just <laughs> the one. It's easier. The one one thing. Um, but then the one day you will being subbed in for then play you will is yeah. a little more positive 
in terms of but also hope. like sad <laughs> yeah because but she has come over right so it makes sense in a oh, way yeah. that the over, first yeah, time sure. he's saying it she makes the call and he's a little nervous that she might play with his emotions but yeah. now she's like crash landed in his room and there's this little bit more hope like you yeah know, you do right like wedding as you're saying uh and then maybe one day like we will like i pray and then you get the the actual physical connection when i grab your neck i touch your soul take off your cool then lose control So at the end of this chorus, as there is this hope for more of a connection, you get an actual physical connection in the third verse with, when I grab your neck, I touch your soul. And I know a lot of people, I guess maybe not a lot of people, but I've seen on Twitter more recently, people reading this as more aggressive right. in a negative way, where we can read it like that especially given like the tensions of the song right it seems like there's some anger he holds towards this woman some bitterness so the idea of like grabbing the neck is at once intimate as it is something that some couples like to do while also feeling like it's a um, cathartic act for his anger and bitterness so there is a little bit of that double edge to the idea of when i grab your neck but you then get I touch your soul, which is also getting much more into how romantic, like romantic in quotes or poetic Kanye is being in the song, wanting something more. So it's not just about grabbing the neck for the, the sexual pleasure or the anger. It's because he wants this connection. He wants to touch the soul. He wants to feel something deeper. And that's reinforced by the next line that's take off your cool then lose control, take off your cool, which is what we were talking about earlier as being uh, a reference. And we, none of us really realized it was uh, an outcast song from speaker box and the love below specifically from the love below side. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's Andre 3000 and Nora Jones. And it's about, or kind of in the aftermath of uh, Andre 3000 and Erica Badu's breakup. Yeah. They were together from 95 to 1999. This is the first album in the aftermath of that. And Andre's really exploring their relationship, which I took all of that from Travis. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I, that's uh, all I'm here for. Like, I give you the info, then you you barf it out in your, of your beautiful mouth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what a and weird way to songs, put that. I don't know why it came out that way. <laughs> the song's really short lyrically. It's two minutes, but beautiful production, really emotional. And I almost feel like probably 
some of the inspiration for Say You Will, maybe in general. Kanye's Kanye-fying it, but there's something very beautiful and minimal about this Take Off Your Cool song that I could see being an inspiration. Yeah, I mean, the, the chords to that song, if I remember correctly, it's like, uh, and it goes here. They're all seventh chords, so those uh, are the same same style chords in the chorus of Say You Will. So maybe maybe there's something here. It's not like the seventh chords are crazy uncommon, but if you're comparing right. the two songs back to back like this, like there's some connection for sure. Right. The fact that of all the chords they could use, both using seventh chords yep. while also having a lyrical reference. Um, but you get Nora Jones in the first verse just saying like, baby, take off your cool. I want to see you. I want to see you. Baby, don't be so cool. I want to see you. I want to see you. Followed by Andre saying, baby, take off your cool. I want to get to know you. So the idea of taking off your cool is very much associated with stop being kind of Mrs. So Fly, right? <laughs> you need to stop acting a certain way and just be yourself with me. Be real with me. Let me see you for who you are. Let me get to know who you are and stop having up these shields and guards. So Kanye saying, take off your cool, then lose control. It's tied into not just coming in Mrs. So Fly and let's just have this very passionate sex, but let's also reconnect. Like I want us to have this emotional relationship as much as I want us to have this physical relationship. And you're just getting that commingling of the characters, but also of his desire for the physical and emotional connection with this woman. Yeah. Yeah. It makes the, like that take off your cool line is so interesting to me because it, it implies that the woman has not, taken off for cool in the past like Kanye is requesting her to do this um so for thinking of this woman if i always like to think of all the like it's it's tough for me to think of this literally like i think of every woman on a Kanye song as like this metaphorical moment as a reflection of Kanye's relationship with himself and with fame and all that and i feel like it reveals that like he's unable to find that intimacy that you're talking about chris and meeting with himself in his own life like he's unable to take off his cool almost like he's unable to like remove strip away this like armor this this image of celebrity that he always has on and because not even the women in his life can be like that like he has to date mrs so fly like she has to be that person he has to date this kind of woman but like he secretly wants her to remove her cool he wants something real and true because again he's lost everything in his life and he would just like some sort of stability you know um and so it's just kind of like a, it, it just strikes me as very vulnerable and sad. Like he wants to grab her neck. He wants to touch her soul. Like he wants these things to happen. But as we'll soon find out in the fourth verse, like they're not really happening. Like this woman <laughs> isn't really there. Like it's all these things he wants to happen. And it's, I don't know, that's some heavy stuff right there. Yeah, I love, I mean, the I grab your neck, I touch your soul is such a, genius line to me i know i don't yeah. i guess it could be controversial if you wanted to make it that but it's such yeah. a again it goes back to the describing these post-breakup relationship moments seeing those people that you just so frustrated with but love and just you know the whole like <clears throat> if you want to get into like sex after breakup it's like it could be this really messy getting out all these troubled emotions that you have for one another it just distills that down into like yep what I think is just perfect couplet. And then yeah. it pays off. I mean, I'm, 
always thinking of the, the harmony and stuff behind it, but it's like that's where that dissonant, that diminished chord and the the overlying tension of the heartbeat sound being dissonant with everything else. There's this underlying that that tension, that dissonance. I mean, then, then you get the payoff with the lyrics here, where before it's all been kind of sad and emotional. There's where you get that underlying kind of yeah anger, pain, yep. yearning for connection. It's all right there paying off in the lyrics now too in the third verse mm. oh yay well done <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, that's awesome fantasize about you about you hey, hey, hey. chorus comes back in again and slightly different <laughs> uh we get the hey 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 but don't say you will you will you will <laughs> so it goes from what like don't say you will unless you will to you do to you <laughs> will you will which feels again kind of like wish fulfilly like yeah. i'm telling you you will like you do like we will get married especially after this connection like the same way each of these couplets seem to set up the emotional response to the chorus it's feeling a little more hopeful and at the end you get don't say you will if you will i pray you will so we're still on this kind of like hopefulness in terms of what the future might hold uh between this pair uh, which then Travis, as you were saying, just gets the rug pulled out from under it on the fourth verse, which is the the twist. I wish this song would really come true. I admit I still fantasize about you, about you. So that's all that this was. It was just a fantasy that she would call him. They would she would come over. They would have this late night hookup, and the implications of it might be that they would continue to get together. And really, this is just longing when he's probably just unable to sleep and lonely maybe she called him and this is just him thinking about what would happen if she did come over but maybe she didn't and this is just that sad uh dreaming that you do yeah when you've suffered this kind of breakup and longing and you want this person that you're frustrated with because you don't know who else could possibly be in your future um oh and talking about that third verse like taking off your cool i just thought about this and don't want to forget it again <laughs> uh it just makes me think a little bit about wolves in a way too where one of the highlights of his relationship with kim on that song is realizing how sloppy they both have been in their life and knowing that they aren't perfect people and loving each other for not being perfect and able to love each other for just who they are so wolves really is a, a payoff on taking off your cool and loving somebody for who they are, um, which is kind of cool. But fantasizing back here, 
yeah, Kanye has none of that. <laughs> Fantasizing <laughs> about a wolf situation someday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but what a like powerful so what eight lines is the entirety of the verses in this song but there's such a journey that all eight take you on and you go from this like emotional longing to excitement to connection potential connection to downfall (laughs) yeah Uh, like so quickly and so simply it's pretty amazing yeah, I mean, yeah. just keeping in mind the context of when this came out, you know, he never had a song like this. And it's the first time we're hearing on the album. And just even that reminded me because it's like, okay, eight lines total and, the, you know, added up the verses, it's eight lines. That's not even a quarter of a verse or maybe it's a quarter of a verse in a rap song, right? Mm-hmm, that usually yeah. has two to three verses. So just having a Kanye song with this amount of you know, minimalist lyrics is just something to keep in mind, right? Because like this was shocking back then. So it wasn't like now we're accustomed to it and it's not a big deal. You know, this is pretty extreme. Um, and, and especially choosing song. this. Yeah, I was going to say exactly. Choosing this as the first song where you can easily put in Heartless or Paranoid or, you know, there's a few songs on here that could easily ease you into this palette a little bit better. But of course, Connie's <laughs> just going to thrust us right into the world. And I think right. it all, it, exactly. And it all sets up to, I don't know if, if I'm jumping the gun here, but it sets up perfectly this extended instrumental outro. get the we get the twist ending of okay this was all just a fantasy even if it's like a tragic fantasy because it's not like great stuff happened it was like this <laughs> right. realistic fantasy of what could happen but it actually didn't happen and and then we get the rug pulled out of you know of us and then he's left alone i love when songs do this where it's like yeah. text painting where what happens in the song lyrically is reflected in the music and so he's alone we realize he's alone he knows he's alone and literally we're gonna wallow in this aloneness for three minutes you know like yeah literally it's just like yeah what a perfect transition into what seems like a very i mean why would you have a three-minute outro on a opening song Um, (laughs) yeah what's the reasoning and there's more i think there's multiple reasoning one of which allows you to kind of sit in this world that he created and feel that kind of just feel the sonics and the, the effects of the sonics which we've talked about being sad and hopeful and broken and dissonant all at the same time and just living in this world he's been living in for the past year or wherever it was it's uh it's a weird connection but have either of you ever watched neon genesis evangelion yeah. No. Nope. Well, as we found out from Cole, he's never watched an anime movie, so oh, he definitely yeah, has yeah, that's, not, that's right. <laughs> so uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, one of the most famous like anime ever, uh, as it's a mix of mech and 
psychological like deconstruction and at times horror with a lot of the characters dealing with a, a lot of baggage but in one of the i guess the penultimate episode the main character has connected really deeply with someone else who ends up betraying him and they're in a situation where the main character needs to kill this person and the person knows it too so the main character is in their mech which already has this ton of baggage and um psychological damage for the character holding in their hand this other person and the person's like you just have to kill me you have to kill me and shinji's like no 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 and you have something like three minutes i think it's two to three minutes of one shot no cuts of just shinji in the mech that's very demonic looking looking down at the person in the hand and the person in the hand looking up and you get the the tension that Shinji's feeling of, am I going to do this thing, even though I don't want to, because I need to do it for the responsibility of the world and what my dad's telling me to do, all this stuff. And you feel it because the scene just won't end. It just hangs there until <clears throat> squeezes the hand and pops the person. And that's the end of the episode and kicks off the whole shebang with the end of Evangelion that ends up with the end of the world because Shinji's in such pain. So <laughs> I think about that in terms of this, where as you're saying, we get to a point in the story where Kanye is alone and to have us sit for three minutes in that outro, feeling those emotions sonically rather than visually or textually is so beautiful and so powerful to me and is arguably why this is one of my favorites outros or musical moments in all of Kanye's discography I feel like Runaway is doing something similar like he arrives in a similar space and the outro serves a similar purpose and it's just bigger <laughs> uh, overall so I think Runaway might still take the cake but you can see how this is kind of a, a playground for what he would do on Runaway the initial uh movement towards it where he's like oh yeah i like doing this let me just do it better the next time mm -hmm. yeah i mean he doesn't really i mean he, you can see touches of it in like last call but and that had a purpose right like right. there was that was more about the story than anything else i think is it drive slow that has a really long extended outro uh musical outro it might or is one, there's one song on late now. registration that there's like horns and stuff um could be like not. we major yeah we may, it's we major yeah yeah i don't know how long that intro outro is but that was another one that i was trying to think okay has he done this before he's talking over that outro too right like, he does a little bit the but there's like a lot of instrumentation okay there's too. still yeah okay. the nas comes in later right it's like precursor to more like devil in the dress um yeah there's the maybe i'm th i think i'm thinking of the right song the um, major has nas on has it nas, and yeah. then has like an outro and then Kanye comes back in talking about Tony Williams and then yeah. like why we call it late registration. Yeah. Cause we take on a show like, <laughs> yeah. Taking them back to school and yeah, you get yeah, all yeah. of that. So there's a little bit of like performance in the outro. Yeah. So this is the real time. Like, but I think this is the, especially it being first, like on an album yeah. that's already going to ruffle feather. That's already so different. Just, just laying into it, not backing down. I love, I mean, again, it's like the easiest moment, you know, inverted yeah. or something where 
it, I just love this about Kanye. It's exactly why I'm so passionate about him as a musician. Just having the balls to do something like this when he's, you know, said on graduation was this thesis statement of him trying to be this big pop star. Right. Becoming a stadium kind of performer and then, you know, really <laughs> risking that with this album kind of, right? And just, yeah. you know, his emotions called for it. So he just went with that, I, I would assume. Um, but just if you're going to do it, we're going to do it, right? It's yeah. like we're not going to tiptoe around it. We're just going to lay in it. And I just love that about him as an artist. Yeah. He could have easily done a college dropout 2.0, like late registration 2.0 follow-up and had one song like this that was daring, but instead full album. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite part of this outro is that Chris won't be surprised by this at all. Uh, one of my favorite things that stories do is when they become very meta. And to me, this is kind of like a musically meta moment where it strips away everything and you're kind of forced to, because Kanye himself says like, I wish this song would come true. Like suddenly like he's an artist and he's just like, we're in there in the moment with him and, and it strips away all of like the artifice, all of like, like storytelling, it, it gets at something true about ourselves, but it's also like fake. It's this thing we put over something while we try to deal with it. But like this strips all that away and suddenly we're just with Kanye in this moment and these motions he's struggling with it. This is a pretty comic common filmic technique used by like, you know, Brian De Palma doesn't Spike Lee and Shafar Panahi. Like at some point this fourth wall is removed and we're forced to directly respond to the filmmakers worldview of the matter. Like the characters become like these pieces in what the artist is doing. And I feel like that's what this, the end of here does like, we get this verse that reveals like, no, like this wasn't really happening. He wasn't touching her soul. Like he is still reckoning with all these emotions about this woman and what he wants her to do and what he wants to do with her. Um, and it's, I mean, he's just stuck. He can't use art and music to escape the situation. And instead of envisioning this promising future for himself, which like is something he does in graduation or late registration or something, he's chosen to just steep in this dire state on this on and for the rest of the album like this is what we're in we're just going to bask in melancholy <laughs> it's it's such a, a it reminds me of um like something he would do later on hell of a life like it's at the end where like oh he wasn't really with this woman the whole time like this 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 outro to me is like just like that it's like a masturbatory outro where like he's just imagining all these things he wants but like he doesn't have them he well, so just I, alone i just yeah i mean i just kind of put this thought in my head but because I was looking at when this happens in the song and it's almost exactly how I was really wishing it was exactly halfway <laughs> but to the second, but it's not, it's like a few seconds before halfway. But even still, it's like, we're almost hearing the song again. It's literally the length right. of the song, give or take a few seconds. And we're actually oh, yeah. hearing what actually happened, which was nothing. Like all wow. the stuff he said <laughs> didn't happen. And so we're experiencing the song again as it actually happened in real life, which is just Kanye wallowing in his emotions. Oh no, S Cole sitting there. Oh. Shit, beautiful. <laughs> That's good stuff. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, play yourself out with that one. Uh, That's amazing. And you do get like the last addition to the chorus. You get the repetition of "You will, you will," but that uh, "Play you will, one day you will, if you will" becomes for real. Which, you know, coming off of that, like, I was just fantasizing about this. I wish this would really come true. He's like, please, please say you will for real. 
And that also contrasts with the first time of don't pl then play you will. So there's like something that's playing and then there's something that's real. And you have that contrasting element between the first use of the or instance of the chorus and the last one, but then it also pays off in the first fourth verse. But then it kind of sets up what you're talking about, Cole, in terms of we're hearing the song again, but the real version of events, like it's no longer the fantasy. It's just the the nothingness, Ooh, the the emotion of it. That's some heavy stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm. Yeah, and I was also thinking about, like, there's only certain loops, I guess you could, there's certain musical environments that you can get away with this. Like, there's not, I'm trying to think of other songs on this album that might be able to get away with it, but there's a certain quality, and I didn't really quite figure out exactly why, but, you know, why are we willing to listen to a three-minute outro <laughs> instrumental, right? Like, there's only, right. it can't work with every beat. I think, one, it's because the textures are so layered there's all these like you know the different sounds and textures and timbres all stacked uniquely against one another so it's just inherently interesting and i think we gravitate our ears kind of gravitate towards that there's also an arc to the you know the verse chord progression is different than the chorus chord progression so that keeps our interest as well but hmm. i can see that you know lasting for a couple minutes maybe a minute or two or like one cycle through maybe but then he drops the drums out it's just the choir for a while, which would be a natural ending point. But then he brings the yeah. drums back in again <laughs> and it just does the whole cycle again. So it's just, I don't know. It's just something about, I think it's because it's so mm. meditative. It's a, it is kind of a, a production and, and tempo and everything that you can kind of lose yourself in. And again, maybe there's something to like the heart rate thing, yeah. just that kind of just like ominous meditative kind of trance or something that you're put in especially with those, you know, the heartbeat sound, monitor sounds. And you're just, you, I just, I think that's interesting. Like this couldn't work with a lot of beats. He recognized that it could work with this and just laid into it, which I thought was really cool. How long's the outro on Hold My Liquor? It's, I, I it feel like that's quick. about half the song. It's extended too, right? Am I just, just when he, he leaves the song. So you're saying yeah just like at the end he's out of the song we're just getting kind of like the guitar i guess we get some of the the bone of air lines some of the bon of air lines right do you i mean i can check if you want to cut this out i can check uh real quick we leave everything and we don't cut anything oh, okay <laughs> okay so so let's say 350 to 526 Okay, so not quite two minutes, but definitely like over a minute. I'm just finding it curious that I think for the the longest instrumental outros, as far as I can tell in Kanye's discography, it's Say You Will, Run Away, and Hold My Liquor, which all tend to be set up with this problematic relationship space or complicated 
relationship space say you will oh yeah as we just discussed run away it's like you need to run away from me and this relationship's not in a good place and then hold my liquor it's him showing up and kind of pulling the inverse of say you will like he's the one crash landing in this girl's room kind of reigniting things like on the brink of winning her back over before things kind of fall apart between them and i wonder if people are just so connected or interested in breakup stories or relationship stories that he can get away with these extended intros because he's setting up, as you're saying, that text painting of the complicated emotion or the sadness that's coming along with these relationships kind of falling apart at the end of each of these songs or the character left in a emotional place at the end of these songs that makes those extended outros feel like a continuation of that emotion that people are already vibing with. Yeah, I mean, on Runway, though, it's it's a little bit different because it's, I mean, it's really cool, almost cooler than this, where he essentially turns in the production into strings. And right. that's the train. So at least it's new, it's familiar material because yeah. it's based on, you know, what we've heard first half of the song but it does change so i think that kind of resets the clock in some ways and he's singing over it so i feel like almost you know it's almost like a guitar solo right like right. you're going to be entertained by the, the unpredictable melody throughout that whole three minute stretch or whatever mm -hmm. it is this is to me almost more extreme because it's the same exact <laughs> musical material right. and purely instrumental with no melody so and it's the first song on the album wow yeah yeah, yeah the first song i'm imagining if like on site had an outro as long as this <laughs> <laughs> i would love that oh, it man, would be I would amazing i mean the but, first version of on site was supposedly like 15 minutes long or something of course God. it was imagine to, one day we just get like one day we get three hour yeezus that'd be <laughs> that'd be amazing maybe rick rubin still has the file on like a hard drive or an email somewhere only mm. wish yeah. i'm envisioning <laughs> i'm thinking we could do an oceans 11 scenario where we break into rick rubin's house and find it <laughs> or hack his computer <laughs> ah, mike dean's been dealing with that where someone hacked his computer and like found a bunch of songs and he's been very upset he found the person that uh like the address <laughs> of the person that did it and was like <laughs> doxing them and it was this whole thing okay um so maybe not that but maybe, maybe Rick would be. <laughs> it's important though, so we should. <laughs> um, well, so you were both kind of talking a little bit about this instrumental outro and a connection to "Welcome to Heartbreak." Is there anything? Uh, let Cole handle that. To, yeah, say about that. Yeah, let me um, pull up the song because I just noticed it literally when I texted you guys right before we started this. Um, I was listening to it super loud in my headphones and I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before at the very, very end. And it might not even be loud enough to hear, but I'll call it out when it happens. And so essentially it's going to ring out uh, with these really low uh, choir voices. It's going to hit a C. This is essentially what the note everyone's singing here. All the instruments are playing a C. And then a new note comes in right at the very end that's even lower than the C. So just keep your ears tuned in for something that's lower uh, than that C note.
There. There. Hmm. So listen to that tension. So that lasts like 10 seconds almost. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have the C. That makes total sense because the song's in C minor. So if you're going to end the song in C minor, you're going to end on a C usually. The note that comes in even lower than a C is this one, F sharp. And listen to these two notes together. So that's that tritone again. <laughs> the tritone's the devil in music. It's notoriously dissonant interval. But it's also used for tension that then resolves into a chord. So if you're specifically with these two notes together, what our ears are craving to happen is this. Notice how that pays off on the tension. It's tension and release. Right? Yeah. So that chord is a G. Uh, and guess what the first note we hear on Welcome to Heartbreak is? Is it a G? <laughs> yeah, it's a G. Ah, uh, man. So this is similar to what you were talking about between Devil in a New Dress and Runaway, right? Yeah, it's the same kind of trick. It's it's less um, elongated because Devil in a New Dress doesn't. It's an entire song builds. It never right. gets you never get the resolving chord. So it's just you know however long that song is, five minute tension, and then resolve with with Runaway. This is a little different, but like. There's no reason to use a tritone that specifically F sharp because it's not in the key. We haven't heard it at all in the song yet. And why would you pick that one note to come in at the very end? Like there's no other reason why except to build, to resolve into Welcome to Heartbreak. (laughs) And and it's very fitting too because y'all talked about the heartbeat effect that's in this song. And it's like there's still hope through a lot of this song Mm. until there isn't right and i know people have like come up like said the theory like oh the heartbeat is like signifying donda but given the the lyrics of this song it just feels more kanye's overall yeah (laughs) like mental health or relationship with this woman that was kind of uh he was hanging on to and at the end of this song we're kind of realizing that it's breaking and this is the heartbreak that he's talking about, which is what leads into the next song, Welcome to Heartbreak. Which I, oh, it's funny because i just now putting this together 13 years later, but it always struck me like, Welcome to Heartbreak. And he says it, and when he says it in the song, it feels so introductory, like, Welcome to the album. It's such a meta yeah. moment. Like, yeah. So why wouldn't that song be first, right? And now <laughs> we're realizing, Say You Will is this extended introduction that literally leads into, you know, wow, ver- yeah. like, Lyrically and sonically, uh, harmonically, into the actual start of the album, which yeah. is much more traditional than "Say You Will." So, I mean, fuck. It's yeah, like- <laughs> I mean, fuck. I say that a thousand times in the show. I mean, fuck. Yeah. That's uh. This is probably a good enough argument right there, Cole, for a season on the life of Pablo, not just the bonus <laughs> episode, because I think he does a similar thing with Ultra Light Beam heading into. Father stretch my hands where there's just like 
all this tension set up in that initial song <laughs> and you could probably dive into a lot of the the sonics and production that connect yeah ultralight beam into father stretch my hands and then the contrast of father stretch my hands part two yeah it comes oh, up too many times in his music and albums that it's it's not coincidence yeah. especially because mm-hmm. he's working with now he's working with jet basker uh, i mean who is i did some research on him because i've always loved his work but didn't really know much about him but he went to like conservatory berkeley school of music the most famous school in the u.s uh for music so and his parents one of his parents was a, a pianist um so like he knows all this shit I'm talking about and and way more probably better than me. So yeah. like for him to be like, oh, we're like resolving here and then ne- we know the next song is going to be this one. Like I'm going to throw in this F sharp. Like it's not a, there's not a doubt in my mind that it was strategic. Right. Yeah. Like I'm looking at the the track info that's like written by Jeff, like Malik Youssef, Mr. Hudson, Jeff Basker, like keyboard, Jeff Basker. Yeah. 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 You know, Jeff's just sitting there like, I need to add this. Like, Kanye, please let me add this. And here's why. And Kanye's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Jeff. I bask in your music knowledge. <laughs> I love all this because, you know, like we're a lyrical show and like we always talk about narrative with Kanye, but like this is revealing just how deep the narrative goes, like how important it is for Kanye to like bleed songs into one another and to create an atmosphere in an album and to fit a f- to paint a full body picture of his character like there are so many ways you could do that and he's he's doing them all like he's he's got his hands and everything yeah i mean it always like frustrates me because obviously you people say all oh, you reaching and all this stuff but there's just it discredits like the genius of these guys like yeah. you know obviously a lot a lot of it most of it is kanye but he's pulling in really really talented people that know what they're doing mm. it's not like you know, no offense to like just hip hop producers, but usually they don't know about music theory. Like their their talent is in another area and it doesn't involve this kind of stuff. But Kanye works specifically with actual like trained, you know, quote unquote musicians, like traditional musicians that I've written music before. I've, I've written music for 10, 20 years. Like you do think about this stuff. It's not right. like yeah. shit just doesn't happen. What and it's kind like, of artist does that like, search for meaning in their work like you're trying to convey all these saints and make people relate to what you're going through and there's, and there's a reason why Kanye's albums stick out more than everyone else's it's like you can pu- this is why like even though most people won't I mean shit we didn't realize this till 13 years later right all this stuff but <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why this stuff one we want to listen to it over and over and over and it doesn't tire itself out there's just a level of complexity that's different from everyone else and like that's what sets Kanye apart. That's why these artists rise above everyone else. Even though you can't, in the moment, sometimes like specifically point to exactly why. When you do reveal this kind of stuff, when you do sit down and and look at it, these things come up. And it's like, it's not going to come up in all music. It will come up in five percent of music probably. But that's the five percent that ultimately rises to the top. So, yeah. I love these little details just because it shows intention. And again, like you're saying, it's like. He's thinking holistically. It's not just this one note. It's not just all, it, it's all of it put together. It's the whole world that they create. And it's, it's like, there's the, a very, you know, and they're very intentional with this stuff. And it's why we love digging into these kind of artists work, but it's like all credit goes to them. And like, we can't just write it off as like reaching or whatever, right. you know, it's like that just discredits these artists these these geniuses yeah. you know 
It's uh, I always talk about like the things that we discuss can feel very outlandish to a lot of people unless you have done the work yourself or studied the stuff because then you realize how basic a lot of this stuff yeah is like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. foreshadowing is not like <laughs> yeah like the the interlude on on site that sets up bound two that's not a lot of musicians don't do it because a lot of musicians aren't working on the album level yeah. that we see a kanye and a kendrick doing but if you are working on that album level, and especially if you think about albums as movies, you see that foreshadowing done in so many movies. Like Every from movie kids ever. movies. <laughs> yeah, all the way up. So it's not some like outrageous yeah. like thing. It's just like, no, these are basic things. It's just they don't get brought up a lot in the music space as much because albums were more single oriented for a long time. And then you had a, a period of concept albums, but then you got a whole lot of uh, pop and single albums dominating things for a long time. And it feels like there's more of a return now to the conceptual. So you're going to be seeing more of this stuff, but it's not as outlandish as it seems to a lot of people. Especially knowing Connie's history and love of film, you know, having yeah. films just playing over and over in the studio. And it's like, what do you think these guys are doing in the studio? They're not just, you know, it's like if they pull a sample. <laughs> they're going to probably look into what that song is about. Like, why wouldn't you? You're just in the studio working on this thing for months. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's pretty obvious. And anyone that, I mean, you guys both are creative or write stories and, and film scripts and stuff. It's like, those ideas are really helpful. Like, that's what inspires you to write the sentence, right? It's like, yeah. you can just sit down and write, or I can just sit down and play some chords and like spew out some lyrics, but it's actually easier in a lot of ways to actually think about an idea and then use that as inspiration to write the thing rather than just like sitting down and just like doing a bunch of arbitrary crap, which, you know, <laughs> sometimes right. happens. Like the, yeah. it's for, you know, it's for a reason why, like, especially like one hip hop and two, being on a pop kind of pop level as a Kanye. Yeah. Usually pop music isn't that deep, you know? So it's like coming from someone that's popular. Sometimes it is hard to swallow that they are, you know, an artist that has actually crossed over, which is rare, you know? So yeah. I get some of it, but anyone that's actually created something knows the process and knows, you know, these are kind of normal things to execute. It's really hard, obviously. And that's why he is who he is, but you know, it's not the ideas are there, you know? Right common enough yeah um you know one of the things we mentioned a few times like taking 13 years or 12 years to make a connection in the next episode we're going to be talking about it, but we we didn't discover but <laughs> we found out as people recently discovered that there's a whole sample on welcome to heartbreak that only came up at the end of 2018 people on who sampled and kanye to the kind of put together that there was a a sample oh, so it's just kind of wild that all these years later you're still discovering like cool musical things about kanye albums and i'm gonna be really excited i think that's gonna be one of the things i'm most excited to talk about on the next episode when we do welcome to heartbreak yeah minimalism can't wait <laughs> yeah italian yeah it's an italian <laughs> minimalist and we were looking it up and it seems like these it was two guys that were just like playing music like one like was playing an organ in a church and the other was playing a piano at home and somebody secretly recorded them 
So <laughs> you're just getting like Kanye sampled a song from a secret recording of an Italian pianist. <laughs> It's like the most yeah, Kanye thing to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and why did he do that? You know, stay tuned You'll for find the out. episode. You'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Cole, thank you for joining us. It was nice to have you on a, a lyrical analysis episode rather than just uh, an interview. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anytime you guys want, this has been fun. So I'll bring my piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the piano is a must. Well, then. Uh, any any last words about the song before we close out? It's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. It is indeed. Well then, uh, everybody, Travis, what is it? Uh, I know you said that you wanted me to make sure before we ended that you had time to say one last thing. Well, what was it that you wanted to say? Well, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, times are weird right now. There's a lot of tension in this country. And we really need everyone, all, especially our listeners out there, to stay wavy. Oh, yeah, that's it. That was it. Okay. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and sub- subscribe to my new show that will be coming out. Uh, key, it's called Keynotes on Spotify. Uh, it'll be out by the time this is out. So yep. follow that or listen to Dissect. But Hell, yeah. Yeah, Dissect and Keynotes. Because Keynotes is allowing you to branch out beyond just doing whole albums, right? You're able to do what you do with individual songs and create playlists that can be, people can follow along with. Yeah, so it's a, sorry to plug at the end here, but it's a music and talk show, which is Spotify's new technology where you can integrate original talk segments like this with full songs in the catalog and they play seamlessly together. So essentially I, pl- I created a show around this new technology uh, called Keynotes and each episode has a theme uh, and then I pick songs from multiple artists that all relate to this theme somehow and draw kind of kind of mostly on like music theory stuff, but like just drawing connections between like, for instance, the first episode is on why music gives you the chills. So I talked to a neuroscientist and she broke it down all the like neurology and like scientific stuff that happens in the brain. And then I found pieces of music known to induce the chills and I break down note by note, like here's why it's happening. And I, you know, I do a classical song. I do driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo. I do a Jay-Z and Kanye West song. So kind of trying to find these like threads across genres, across time periods and stuff um, through these themes. So it's been really fun and not, you know, there's some hip hop, but really not that much at all. So it's been a nice break uh, from album driven hip hop analysis. (laughs) Uh, do you have a theme that you can preview that you're most excited about or that you want to one day get to? Yeah, the one episode I'm really excited about is called uh, Does Death Have a Sound? So there's this famous, uh, it's called the Dies Irae melody. I can actually play it for you guys. Uh, uh, I remember it. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, it's a famous Gregorian chant melody that was used for... Um, Catholic funeral services for years, starting in the 13th century. But I basically essentially break down that little riff into the intervals, what it sounds like and how that's carried through to this day, like defining what kind of quote unquote death sounds like, um, what we relate to death. It's been used in like Star Wars, Harry Potter. It's in the Frozen 2 soundtrack. It's in Close Encounters (laughs) of the Third Kind. It's even in Metropolis. So. Composers have been quoting this death melody for cent- literally centuries, but then it shows up in songs like uh, like uh, Hurt from 
Nine Inch Nails and Johnny Cash and Lazarus from David Bowie. Um, so anyways, and even a Sufjan Stevens song. So that kind of stuff. Well, I'm going on a tangent here, but so if you're Sounds interested uplifting. in that kind of dorky shit. <laughs> oh, it does. It, it does get uplifting at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. You do the the opposite trajectory of uh, say you will. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really That's exciting awesome. and dynamic and a, a great extension from what you've already set up with dissect. So yeah, uh, highly encouraging people to go check that out. Cool, Folks. thanks guys. Yeah, cheers. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call.